0: minus we're in single elimination play right now we're gonna have to put everything into each and every game it is great having the road to the Super Bowl going through Lambeau that doesn't guarantee anything
1: this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports Packers Brewers Badgers Bucks the Wisco Sports Show is on the air here's your host Grant Bills
2: Notice this but for the last couple of weeks maybe like the last two months younger people watching Seinfeld is it great because Seinfeld went to Netflix and Seinfeld had been on Hulu it had been on HBO but Netflix it's just so easy to watch stuff on Netflix we'll watch terrible shows on Netflix fully realizing that they're terrible but it's just it's so easy you know what I mean? Like Hulu, you get some ads. HBO, they do the the recap and then the teaser and there's this extra stuff. No, no, no. Give me Netflix. Straight up, super easy and quick to watch stuff. So I think a lot of younger people who just cruise and they watch whatever on Netflix, they're just binging their way through Seinfeld. Now, I've watched Seinfeld for a long time. I've, I remember watching it when I was younger. It was always kind of in like my headspace. It was always in my lexicon. It was always in my realm, right? It was always in my mind, even if I wasn't watching it when I was younger. I remember we took a road trip to Florida when we were, I don't know, what grade was I in? I'd have to ask my mom. We stayed at a condo in Naples. It was very nice. Uh, And I remember the condo in Naples had a bunch of Neil Diamond CDs, so I'm just kind of an old soul here. But that's not the point. The point is we got, me and my siblings got a bunch of Seinfeld DVDs to watch on the drive down. So I've been watching Seinfeld for a while. I had a Seinfeld moment this morning. I had an appointment to go get my booster shot. And I made the appointment yesterday. It was at 1030. I'm driving to my appointment and the person calls me and says, hey, we're out of vaccines. We'll get more later today. If they get here in time, we'll call you. You will be first in line because you had a reservation. And I said, if I had a reservation, why do I not have a shot? And they said, no, 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 we got your reservation. We just don't have the shot. And I said, well, you know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to keep the reservation and that was my morning to just bring up Seinfeld because why not the Packers are on bye. we can talk about Seinfeld for three minutes that was my morning so as I get older I, I feel myself living through more experiences that I saw in Seinfeld maybe I'll get a date with a bald woman who knows maybe we'll see lots of, <laughs> lots of time before the Packers play next we might we might stumble into a date with the bald woman this is the Wisco Sports Show my name is Grant Bills Hope you've had an excellent day. I'm excited because Evo is going to be here at 530. Evo hosts the morning show on The Zone, our affiliate in Madison. His show is over the line. I have a couple sports questions for him, but then I also just have a couple of random things I want to talk to him about. Uh, Last time he was on, he gave us a little fitness advice, a little dieting advice. He spoke to us about the ways of living mostly off vegetables. Evo eats a stupid amount of veggies. So we talked about that last time. No food questions, no diet questions. I actually have a finance question for him. Uh and just um just I just have I have a couple questions. I think of Ebo as a father figure in this radio business to myself. Uh and I have a couple of things that I want to ask him about. Of course, among the Packers and I want to talk about the National Championship game and maybe turn that into the Badgers as well because Ebo's in Madison and he can really speak to that. He'll be here at 5:30. You are welcome to join me as well 608 608- Seven nine six two five five eight. You can tweet me. Follow me at Wisco Grant. William's already tweeting in Del Boca Vista. Yeah, baby. We stayed. Our cabin that we stayed at, it wasn't Del Boca Vista. It was um, <laughs> it was in Naples. And, like, I just, I grew up as such an old soul. Like, we watched Food Network. My parents weren't big cartoons. We didn't watch a lot of cartoons. Didn't really have video games. The first video game console I had was a Wii. So I didn't watch cartoons. I watched Emerald Live. Right, like I watched Mario Batali at home, I watched Food Network and Seinfeld Del Boca Vista. That trip we took to Florida, we stayed in Naples, and the condo was one of my dad's friends. Obviously, my dad is, you know, my dad at that time, he would have been, I don't know, 50 ish, somewhere around there. So, his friend, this condo was not a young person condo, it had a big CD player, like the big six, six disc one, and just a stack of Neil Diamond CDs. So, we got there. And even at age, whatever, 12 or 13, however old I was, I was like, throw on some nail. You know, cherry, cherry, while we <laughs> while we hang out in this uh, condo community that's all old people. Yeah, I've, I was raised as an old man. Thank you for the tweet, William. And you can tweet me. Follow me at Wisco Grant. We're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers in a little bit. I labored for like an hour this morning trying to pick an opening topic for tonight's show. Packers being on bye is tough, right? Because obviously there's less to talk about, but it also affords us some flexibility because when the Packers are on by there's no rush to talk about anything there's no sense of urgency we got all the time in the world you know Zedarius Smith practiced today okay well we got another week and a half to talk about it if we don't get to Zedarius Smith today we don't get to him today that's fine it's not like the Packers play in two days which will give us more content to talk about it's like no we got we got time maybe we'll get to Zedaria Smith today maybe not maybe we'll wait till tomorrow we got nothing but time right I had a couple of ideas for tonight's lead. Tell me which one you like most because I like a couple of these ideas, and we'll probably get to all of them before the end of the show, but what we want to start with. My first idea, number one, uh, John Morant for MVP. I'm kidding. kidding. Maybe tomorrow, though, NBA Lounge, we'll start the show. Got to talk about the Grizzlies. John Morant went stupid, dumbo, sicko mode last night against the Warriors. The Grizzlies are awesome. But no, we'll save that for tomorrow. Actually, my first idea... What if we made the case for every NFL team to win the Super Bowl, right? One seed down to the seven seed. We talk about every team and make an argument. This team can win the Super Bowl. Here's why, right? That could be fun. Interesting. You got to make the case that the Eagles or the, Steel- the Steelers would probably be the toughest one. Big Ben can't throw the ball down the field anymore. That guy's going to out Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen at some point, and Rodgers or Brady coming out of the NFC. I uh, I don't know. That'd be tough. But it would be fun. That'd be a fun thought exercise. That's an idea I had. Uh, number two, another idea, ranking the best open jobs in the NFL after Black Monday, after all the coaches have been fired. It's kind of fun, right? That'd be interesting. Get to talk about some other teams. I like that one. I think we might go with that. My other idea was best and worst matchup for the Packers in the divisional round. Those are my three ideas. Those were three things that I was kicking around to start the show. I actually, that last one, best and worst matchups for the Packers. Let's save that. Let's do that in about 25 minutes. I want to talk about some of these open jobs because yesterday, Joe Judge was let go by the Giants, which we think is going to conclude all of the coaching, hirings, and firings. We think. I'm still not sold that Pete Carroll's going to remain in Seattle. We'll see. I don't know how the Raiders are going to handle... What is it, Basaccia? How do you say his last name? I just, for whatever reason, it's never stuck in my mind all season. Rich Basaccia, is that how you say it? He took him to the playoffs. Is it Does he stay around? I, I don't know. But really right now, there's six teams that have moved on from their coaches. They're going to look for new guys. And I like the idea of talking about these situations and ranking these jobs. Think about quarterback, head coach, who they're looking for, of course, but GM, ownership, right, division. Because when we reflect on all these different teams and the different identities and the factors that go into all these teams and why they're looking for a coach, we might actually learn something about the teams that have good coaches. When we're discussing on why the Giants can't keep a good coach, inversely, we will be discussing without discussing it, why the Packers can keep a coach, why they find good coaches and they're not firing guys every two years, right? So I think by talking about some of these teams that are in a tough spot, we actually learn about teams that are in a good spot, right? So we're, we're reverse engineering this thing. Let's talk about the teams that need coaches. Broncos, Jags, Dolphins, Bears, Vikings, Giants. Maybe the Raiders, maybe Houston, maybe Seattle. We'll wait and see. But for the sake of today's show, I want to focus on those six. Broncos, Jaguars, Dolphins, Bears, Vikings, Giants. Now, if I'm a head coach, the first factor I'm going to consider when offered any job or when interviewing for multiple jobs I'm thinking about the quarterback, and this seems obvious. Like, you're probably thinking, oh, Grant, that's real. How long did you prepare for this one today? Well, yes, yes, but it's not just the best quarterback. It's the best quarterback situation, and the quarterback situation actually may not have anything to do with the specific quarterback, right? Like, Kirk, Cousins of all those teams, probably the best quarterback, but he's set to make $45 million. Seems like they've kind of tapped that whole Kirk Cousins thing out. Maybe there's some fatigue with the organization or with the fans. So Kirk Cousins of all of those teams at the moment is probably the best quarterback. But it's probably not the best quarterback situation when you, you know, factor in contract and fit and how long he's been there and success level. So I don't just want to figure who's the best quarterback. I'll coach there. We got to think about the best quarterback situation. I think the best quarterback situation has to be Trevor Lawrence, right? 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 The other options are Daniel Jones, Tua, Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, TBD as always with the Broncos. Now, I'm not saying that Justin Fields might not be better than Trevor Lawrence in three years or Justin Fields will be better than Kirk Cousins in two years or even next year. But as of right now, what we know for sure, Trevor Lawrence has to be the best quarterback situation, right? And that performance in week 18 really had to make us feel a little bit better going into the offseason our stomach is a little bit less queasy about that number one pick we were all so sure on, really the surest we've been since Andrew Luck. So if Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback situation of all these available jobs, what would keep you from coaching in Jacksonville? What are the other factors at play, right? Well, there's a little bit of dysfunction, but I think a lot of the dysfunction in Jacksonville, especially over the last year, was because they had a really bad coach in Urban Meyer and everything stemmed from that. So if you get rid of that coach, some of that dysfunction goes away. The ownership is weird, but I'm not going to say that Shad Khan is dysfunctional. I think Shad Khan wants to win, and he will spend a lot of money, and he really wants it. He just needs a little help. So if Shad Khan hires the right guy, I don't think the Jags are an inherently dysfunctional organization. I think they've been dysfunctional as a byproduct of some bad decisions. So if they make a good decision, some of that dysfunction goes away. The AFC South is a really winnable division. The Jags have the first overall pick, and because they have a quarterback, they should probably trade back accumulate more picks get more talent to rebuild that roster I think Jacksonville's got a hire Byron Leftwich I think that's and I don't even like Byron Leftwich that much I, I'm not banging the drum for Byron Leftwich to get all these interviews I I don't know if he's that much better than Eric Bienemy or Nathaniel Hackett but the fit and as we're gonna hear from Aaron Rodgers in about 20 minutes about Lafleur, the fit was there for the Packers the fit's there for Byron Leftwich right You got to get someone who cares about football in Jacksonville. And Byron Leftwich has spent time there the same way Dan Campbell spent time in Detroit. And look how that's working out. Dan Campbell is working in Detroit because he shows up to the facility every morning jacked to be there. If his key card lets him in, he's amped to be there, right? If you hear Ebo, who's going to join the show later, talk on his show on The Zone, he says all the time, hey, another day I'm not pushing daisies is a great day. And Dan Campbell shows up to the facility in Detroit with that mindset. Matt Patricia probably showed up and thought, oh, my God, these idiots. They don't know how to run a football team. I know how to run a football team. I was in New England. I miss New England. I guess I got to coach here, right? Dan Campbell shows up. Sun is shining. Let's go. We're all in the NFL. What a great day to be us. We're going to build this and and, and represent Detroit with pride, right? And I think Byron Leftwich could, you know, follow that mold in Jacksonville. I think the Jacksonville job is more fit-based than any other available job. I think Jacksonville's hire has to be specific, and I think Byron Leftwich is that guy. I think Jacksonville's a really good job, but it could go south if they go for a superstar head coach like they did with Urban Meyer, a name more than an actual fit. Now, after Trevor Lawrence, I think the next best quarterback situation is up for debate. Now, Bears fans, this might piss you off because I know you really like Justin Fields. I really like Justin Fields, but we don't know. We don't know. We don't know on Fields yet. You can maybe win with Tua, not a huge endorsement. I don't think you're going to win because of Tua. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones at all. And the Broncos, again, going into the draft, needing a quarterback. Now they have the ninth overall pick. They have 11 total, five picks in the top 100. So for that reason, I think there is a certain appeal to Denver. If you don't like Tua and you don't like Daniel Jones and you don't love Justin Fields, well then go somewhere where they don't have a quarterback, but they might be getting one, right? Because as Mike Zimmer told us, it's almost better to not have a quarterback quite yet than to have a quarterback that you don't like. There's a certain appeal to Denver. Let me make the case for this, right? I know they don't have a quarterback, but would you rather have draft picks and a promise that you're going to get a quarterback? Or would you rather have Tua? Tua's going into his third year. They'll have to decide on his option after this season. And Miami already fired one head coach because he didn't like Tua. You want to step into that? Daniel Jones, the new GM is going to need to decide on his fifth year option this off season. I don't think he's any good. He's got 12 starts in 2019. Team went four and 12. 14 starts last year. They went 6-10. and 11 starts this year. The Giants suck. They're the worst offense in the league, and they finished 4-13. and The Giants are 12-25 and when Daniel Jones starts. I don't know what else you need, but if you want to defend him, I guess go ahead. Justin Fields could be good, but there were a lot of bad signs his rookie year. Statistically, I was looking at Ben Baldwin, who was posting some comparisons for The Athletic today, with the way stats line up for certain quarterbacks. His season was very similar to McCown in 2014 in Tampa Bay. Very bad. Sam Bradford with the Rams in 2011, very bad. Depends on what a new coach thinks of him and ways to maximize him. I might take Denver over all of those tough situations. The only tough part about Denver is you get into that division and you immediately have six games a year versus Herbert, Carr, and Mahomes. That's tough. But there is an appeal to Denver. For basically, because all, you know other teams don't have appeal. So Denver, by comparison, looks a little bit better. I'd avoid the Giants like a plague. I don't know about Chicago. I think there are pros and cons. I think the McCaskey presser hurts. I think that's a bad look. And for all the excitement of getting rid of Nagy and looking for the next chapter of Bears football and bringing him in to pair with Justin Fields, then you get George McCaskey to take the podium and you're like, oh my God, these guys are all bozos. Maybe it makes a difference. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It's a bad look, but maybe it means nothing. Maybe it's all optics. I don't know. The Bears roster is pretty good, but if you don't have a quarterback you love, if you're a coach that doesn't like Justin Fields, defensive personnel is good. I mean, there's stuff to work with there, but you got three starters on the offensive line that are completely unrestricted free agents. Allen Robinson is unrestricted. You're missing some future premium picks, which again, if you like Justin Fields is one thing, but if you're not sold, it's not a slam dunk fit. And ultimately as a head coach, you're going to be judged on how Justin Fields looks. So if you don't think Justin Fields is any good, why would you want to go there? Because if you think Fields sucks, it's going to be blamed on you. That's how sports work in 2021. We're not blaming the top pick. It's the coach's fault for not getting it right. And fields might be good, might not. I'm just saying different perspectives from different coaches would lead to different decisions. I think Minnesota is actually a sneaky good job. I think Jacksonville would be the best job. And honestly, Minnesota is probably right there. Aaron Rodgers is on his way out. Chicago, nothing is a given there. Detroit looks promising, but nothing is a given there. So it's a winnable division. Good owners. The Wolves want to win. Great fans, stadium, facilities. And Kirk isn't the worst thing in the world. You can play him next year if you want for a huge paycheck, sure. Or you can trade him. But if you don't trade him, expectations are low. It's the first year of a brand new regime. You can evaluate everyone around Kirk, pick your division, and then go next offseason. Trade Kirk, add this guy, get rid of this guy, then you can go. Low expectations make success a lot easier. And I think Minnesota, their piece there pieces there. There are good things there. It's not a dumpster fire of an organization. Just need a little facelift. And I think fans are going to be patient with the next coach, maybe more so than in other spots. I like Jacksonville. I like Minnesota Bears. Honestly, it comes down to what you feel about Justin Fields. And if the coach loves him, it's a great spot. If he doesn't, it's a death sentence as a coach because Justin Fields isn't good. It's ultimately going to get pinned on you. I'll take your texts on this coming up next. 608-796-2558. Tweet me and follow me at Wisco Grant. We can talk on Twitter as well. I want to get to Aaron Rodgers. He was on the McAfee show yesterday. Three sound bites I saved. I think the three most important. Home field advantage. Nathaniel Hackett, and maybe one of my favorite sound bites in a while about Matt LaFleur. That's all coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show, 608 796 2558. Send me a text there. Thank you, Tim in Menominee. I always like hearing from my hometown. Menominee, I hope life is well, Tim. Josh in Sparta, Texans, as Jackson will be the top choice, in my opinion, uh, possibly have a great young quarterback, also a division that has good defenses, but teams are rebuilding their offense. Yeah, the Titans don't really terrify me. The Titans are the one seed this year. I think they're sixth or seventh in overall point differential. The Titans aren't a juggernaut. The Texans are a mess, and the Colts are good, but I don't know if they have the means to be great. The Colts are in a tough spot, kind of like the Vikings were when they added Kirk Cousins. Great roster, everything's in place, but you don't have the quarterback. And when everything is in place, it's really hard to then add the quarterback because you don't have the high draft capital, you don't have the cap space, and even if you had the cap space through some miracle, it's not like great viable quarterbacks hit the market, ever. Which is why you end up adding, I don't know, Carson Wentz, who played one of the worst games I've ever seen last weekend. You only had to beat the Jags, right? And I think the Jags have some good offseason momentum, right? That's a thing. Josh, who texts Sparta, you go into the offseason on a high note? Maybe that's a thing. I don't think it is, but for the sake of this conversation, let's make it one. Matt Rockland says, if the Vikings find a good GM to work with, Brian Flores is a sensational hire who plays under center. Oh, regardless, who plays under center. Look at what he was able to do with different quarterbacks he had uh, in Miami and had success. I like Brian Flores, but Brian Flores is going to fall into the same traps, possibly with Kirk Cousins, that Mike Zimmer did. I mean, Mike Zimmer was let go because I think he'd been in Minnesota a long time, and it just became clear that it wasn't going to work. It's not that they didn't like Mike Zimmer. He was just there a while, and especially the last couple weeks and months, I think he just got so frustrated that he might have been a bit abrasive. Eric Kendricks had a comment um, where he said, you can't run an organization based off fear, And Eric Hendricks is a highly respected player. He's a great linebacker in the NFL. He can say that, and people will listen. If some rookie said it, it's like, well, you can't can't comment about anything. You just got into the league. But some comments were made, like about Kellen Mond, and he was kind of short with reporters. Brian Flores was a great coach. He didn't get along with anybody. So I fear that if Minnesota were to bring in Brian Flores as much as I like him, the same issue could arise. And also, defensive-minded head coaches are tough because they want to prioritize their defense and they want to run the ball, which isn't really the deal in 2021. And also it's hard to get good offensive coordinators to come play with you. Zimmer had this problem. So did Brian Flores. Brian Flores is offensive coordinators, of which he had many in his limited time in Miami. Most of them were position coaches from New England, guys who weren't ready and qualified to be an offensive coordinator because offensive coordinators know that if I go play under the crabby, old school defensive head coach, if stuff goes south, It's on me. I'm the one who's going to get fired, and I'm the one who's going to get called out in the presser for not running the ball. And that's how you have to drag Chan Gailey out of retirement to be the offensive coordinator, as Brian Flores did last year. And that's how Mike Zimmer ends up with Clint Kubiak, who might be a very good coach one day. I don't want to dump on Clint Kubiak. I don't know. I don't know much about him. But it's not like you could get Norv Turner or Pat Shermer or some offensive coordinator with experience and stature and that's what they would have needed in a win now year that was a win now year for the vikes and they ended up with clint kubiak who again one day might be good but no one wanted to come work under zimmer clint did because his dad did and uh, uh did gary kubiak work no i'm thinking of norv turner does norv turner have a son i'm sure he'll be a coach before too long if he does thanks for the texts guys 608 twitter at wisco grant all my mentions are just seinfeld gifts which is funny um, but yeah, that was the bit to begin the show. 608-796-2558. Mike is in downtown Madison. What's up, Mike? What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. And I'm glad the phones are working today. I'm glad I got down to the bottom of it because I miss talking to you all. And I get tired just speaking for two, two hours straight with no breaths. I'm sure. I'm sure, man. Um, on, on Flores real quick. Yeah. I mean,
3: I don't think that, I mean... Here's to say, no one was there. We can't specifically say, hey, he didn't get along with anyone. There were reports that come, came out like that, right? Sure, yeah. Um, but there was, there was also a report that came out saying that he wanted to pick Justin Herbert, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on that flip side, they picked Tua, who was injury-prone and not as good. His ceiling's definitely not as high.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And even if you didn't watch Herbert in college, which a lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't have him on, his, on their radar. True. Um, and I'll admit I didn't either. But regardless, I mean, he wanted he wanted Herbert big, strong, um, and they picked Tua. I'd probably have a chip on my shoulder too.
2: Yeah, well, and Zimmer, Zimmer didn't want Kirk Cousins, and this is the problem it, with, yes. with coaches. Like, you need to be a good coach, but you also need to be a good people person, where if you're stuck with a quarterback or somebody you don't want... <sighs> Man, you, like, you don't need to live with it, but you, like, you kind of need to live with it. And being stubborn and being an ass about it, that's not going to solve anyone's problems. That's not going to help anyone. And with Zimmer and Cousins, I think that, like, that's just where it got at the end. Zimmer knew that he didn't like Cousins. He knew that he ruined his defense, knew he didn't want him. And instead of trying to work yeah. with Kirk, which might have failed anyways, we don't know, he was just stubborn about it, and he got fired anyway.
3: Yeah, but you can you can throw that same argument at, at the fact that, um, you know, Aaron's Aaron, right? And mm-hmm. Aaron can be a little difficult sometimes, but when a dude throws for four thousand yards, you're kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah, you know, like I mean, so yep. I mean, and and let's you know, let's be honest, Vikings—they haven't given Cousins what he needs to get going. I mean, I, I think Cousins is Cousins. He's his ceiling's low, but their teams are always mediocre. They're never, you know, they're yeah. same old song and dance. We talked about this a million times. Um, and then just want to throw in, uh, you made an interesting point about the Colts. They are, I, I like them in the AFC. They are my, my AFC kind of team, and yeah. they are in a horrible spot with this car. I mean, I just, I don't even know. Like that was the worst game by a quarterback I've so seen bad. on a good team. Oh, so. Bad. Um, sorry, that was my dog. Oh, um, but yeah, it, yeah, worst quarterback play on a on a good team. Seven Pro Bowlers. And it's, that's a, that's a Wentz problem. So yeah. um, it's a, it's a huge wince problem. And there's, a, there's options. There's definitely options. You keep them on for a one, like a one more year option and then uh and then you know see, see where it goes so
2: yeah no I'm with it I like the Colts I don't know how they get better but I hope they do because they're an easy team to cheer for I, it's nice to hear from you Mike I'm glad the phones are working and I can start connecting with you guys again thanks for calling <laughs> all right man have a good one yeah. yeah you as well that's Mike downtown Madison but also hails from Laporte Indiana uh, which is where some of his I would imagine Colts fandom comes from Colts and Vikings have some similar roster connections. Right, the Colts have a lot of good players, but maybe not at the most best positions. Right, like they have their money tied up in an off-ball linebacker, and Darius Leonard is great, but still an off-ball linebacker, like Barn Kendricks, right, or Teron Armstead, who's a three technique. Uh, that's great, not an edge rusher though, right? Or you have a you have a great running back, Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook. That's great, still still a running back, right? So you can have great players, but they also need to be great players in the right spots. And I think the Vikings. And the Colts both struggle with that a little bit. Fred from FedEx. Fred is calling in. Fred, what's going on? Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course.
4: Jacksonville. Is, I think Jacksonville would be the best destination right now for a new. You have top tier. Well, what I think is going to be a top tier quarterback one day. Mm-hmm. Running back. You got, a, you got a defense and an offensive line that looks pretty good um soda would be number two the only problem is paying Kirk cousin 45 and-
2: yeah yeah which,
4: which kind of any kind of negotiations you want to do with anybody else yeah and I think Chicago would be the worst
2: yeah I okay can I ask you about Chicago and your your connection is a little tough so if I lose you I'm, I might have to drop you Fred I'm sorry but with Chicago that press conference that the owner I guess the chairman gave George McCaskey would that is if you're a coach do you see that and think ooh actually I don't I don't know if I want to go there like does that matter or is that just something we talk about
4: No I think that truly matters I if I was the head coach and I saw that press conference I'd be like I don't care how much money you're offering me you have nothing that I want
2: Yeah <laughs> Well you're losing yeah, and, and that's tough because as a coach, you can be great at your job, and you can know that you're doing the right thing, but you got to convince that guy that you're doing the right thing. And that dude, he seems a little—I don't—I don't know—I don't. Know. I don't know. It might be tough to convince that guy of anything. Well, and also the thing is, is with a lot of these positions,
4: you're also going to have to find it. You also have to hire a GM. Yep. So now you got to go through the list of GMs, and then you got to make sure your GM likes your head coach, and your head coach likes your GM, or you're going to get stuck with a very unproductive environment there yeah yeah you're gonna so, be button heads yeah. I agree. yeah also uh before i go yeah. i got a band for you to listen to moon taxi
2: moon taxi shut up i'm writing this down moon taxi i gotcha okay well I, I tell you what fred my bottom of the hour break which i'm about to take is five minutes so i'm gonna take the next five minutes and spin around any songs in particular i should listen to all of them all of them <laughs> i love that answer thanks fred it was good to hear from you Good to hear from you every day. Yeah, have a good one. That's FedEx Fred, whose connection was just good enough to keep from losing. Like, that's the that's the bottom line. If we were one ounce worse with connection, I think I would have had to drop Fred, but I'm glad I didn't have to. Thanks for the call. That's FedEx Fred. 608-796-2558. I'm going to take a break, listen to Moon Taxi, and we're going to hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers coming up next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network
2: wisco sports show my name is grant bills tweet me at wisco grant zach and wisco says the crappiest thing for the Colts is that they traded their first round pick to philly for once so they don't even have draft capital to get a quarterback however this is a down year for quarterbacks in the draft anyways Okay, but two things. Did they... Carson Wentz trade. Did they actually give up a first-round pick? Relatively cheap price. of I think they... I thought it was like a second and a third. Oh, and then it became a first-round pick. That's right. Because Carson Wentz played good enough all year long to make that become a first-round pick. And then... Once he earned that incentive at the end of the year, in the one game they needed him to win, he absolutely dumped his pants. Oh, God. This is the worst-case scenario for Philly. I forgot about that. Or the worst-case for the Colts, rather. Because they didn't trade a first-round pick. It became a first-round pick after Wentz played okay, and they were winning, and he was the starter, you know, for a good amount of the year. The idea that this is a down year for quarterbacks, yes and no. Right now, it sure seems that way. But the way that sports media works, like... Give it a couple months. Give it until the Super Bowl is done and over with. And then once we start focusing on the draft, we'll find quarterbacks to talk about. And I guess I, maybe I could be misremembering, but you think back to the Mahomes year. No one was hyping up Mahomes in January. No, it, it took a little while, right? Like it takes time to get through the normal season, the regular season and the playoffs. And then once football is done and over with, we get towards the draft and we start hyping up dudes who like most of us had never heard of before right? But we got to get there first. Like We got to reach that point. 608-796-2558. Tim is in Sparta. Tim, what's going on? Welcome. Hey, how are you doing tonight, Grant? I'm doing amazing because the phones are working and I get to talk to all of you again. It's been so boring the last <laughs> few days. Just been talking to myself. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's where you get your best answers. Yeah. Um, I would be leery of
5: taking any job except the Vikings job, to be honest with you. Isn't that because the Vikings have the most stable, uh, ownership mm-hmm. guy in, in uh, Jacksonville has proven he can't be trusted. The bears have proven over and over again. They can't be trusted. Uh, I mean, you want to go someplace where they're going to give you a chance, um, and they're going to, you know, the Minnesota Vikings certainly do that. Uh, there's the question with Rodgers: Is he going to be around? So, how effective is Green Bay going to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, even if he's not, even if he stays and he's around, well, Green Bay is in cap hell next year. Yep. The Vikings look at what they have on offense. Even if Cook is getting older, they still have Mattson, who would start for most people. Yep. In the back, you, know, you have the dynamic duo of Jefferson and Thielen, give me two guys on any team anywhere in
2: the league right now Mm -hmm. that are as good as those two guys. You have a serviceable tight end. Irv Smith, Uh, he could come back and be great. We don't know. I I like Irv Smith. I'm excited to see him. You know, their defense aging, yes, but they still have
5: some stuff left in the tank. Um, And on on top of all of that, um, you know, you just have – if you can get Kirk Cousins
2: to play nothing but noon games, you would have a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Have you, ever, have you ever seen the stats on him? Oh, it's nuts, isn't it? Like, you, he plays innocuous, harmless noon games. He lights it up every week. Every week on noon games, he is golden. Yeah. But you get him, the later in the day, the
5: worse his record is. Yeah. So, so yeah, as long funny. as you can schedule every noon game
2: for him, you know, you're going to be golden. You know, Tim. Before I let you go, it's funny because we, you know, we make fun of the Vikings as Packers fans, and you know they're they're certainly you know second tier in the division to the Packers. But you know, all the dust is settled, all, all things are even. The Vikings have stable ownership. We're like, hey, that's a, that's a solid organization, good fans, good good stadium. So you could do a lot worse than the Minnesota Vikings. I, I think they're going to benefit greatly from a new coach and new GM. I think it was just time with Zimmer. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Absolutely. All right, thanks, yeah. Tim. New- yep. No, what were you going to say? I don't want to cut you off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Last well, thing? I got, my my older brother is the biggest Vikings fan on the face of
5: the earth. Okay. And so when uh, when Favre went to them, he's like, well, we're winning the Super Bowl now. I said, 100 bucks says he crushes your heart with a uh, minus second interception. Yeah. I got uh, that 100 bucks
2: on the wall in a frame oh that's funny <laughs> yeah packers fans we would know we saw it in 2008 against the giants too that's great tim yeah. it was good to hear from you thanks for the call have a good night yeah that's tim and sparta you have a good night as well yeah the vikings do have some talent here and there I, I think we're so dramatic as sports fans and that's what kills us right we're always like the vikings have a great roster well they have some great players they're far from being a great roster but there are pieces there the thing is look when your head coach coming into a situation, oh, you have a good off-ball linebacker. That's great, but how long does that last? How much value does that carry into my second, third, fourth year if I want to get a new contract as coach? How far does that get me? You know, we got a great running back, Dalvin Cook. I, I agree, and I like Alexander Madison too. But the head coach is going to get there and play out this year and and next, and then what's Dalvin Cook doing for that coach? And that's why when Bears fans talk about, oh, our defensive roster is great and we got all this talent. Yes and and no, there are good pieces, right? But you're losing a lot of offensive linemen to free agency. That's a unit you're going to have to continue to rebuild. Allen Robinson is an unrestricted free agent. Although, I don't think Bears fans care. And to be fair, like, should they care? Allen Robinson didn't do anything this year. More than happy to let that guy go, get younger, get more dynamic, right? Just get get better because Allen Robinson wasn't good. I think the theatrics and the drama really kills us as sports fans because we're always... So we always use superlatives. Like if our roster is pretty good, we say it's amazing. And if our roster is bad, we say it's the worst. It, it's never as dramatic. It's never as good or bad as we think. And that, that's what kills us with the Vikings, right? Some Vikings fans have themselves, you know, convinced that this is a Super Bowl roster. If only they get a little lucky, they don't lose all those one score games and this and that. Well, it's like, well, no, it's its not a Super Bowl roster. It's a pretty good roster. I think with the Vikings, yeah, they lost a lot of close games. But before the year, Vegas had them pinned at eight and a half, nine wins, tops. And that's where they ended up. Like, this was a expected outcome for the Vikings. They lost a lot of close games, but a lot of their wins were close wins. And similar with the Bears. I think the Bears fans, you know, after the first couple of weeks of the season, you're just like, nah, this isn't it. Now we we look forward to next year. We look forward to whoever comes after Matt Nagy, right? But when talking about the landing spot for a coach to bring this full circle, because I do want to get to Aaron Rodgers. Maybe we'll take a break first. To bring this full circle, if you're a coach looking to latch on on a new team, owner matters, GM matters, fit matters, the culture matters. We talked about this last week with Dan Campbell. I don't know much about Dan Campbell's offense. I don't know much about his scheme or the assistance that he will bring or any of that, but he fits Detroit. He's got his aura. He's got his culture that has established really quickly, and guys really love it, and that's a fit. And then you can build everything else. The foundation is strong. So now you can frame the walls, put in the windows, hang the decorations. But if the foundation isn't good, who cares if he likes to run mesh runs or West Coast offense or whatever, right? That that stuff comes secondary. And if you're a head coach, you're focused on, do I like the owner? Do I think that can be a good relationship where it's productive? Do I like the GM? The GM's got to like the coach because typically the GM hires the coach. And do I like the quarterback or the quarterback situation? That's really important. Because the running back, that'll come and go. The linebacker will come and go. Even the great cornerback will come and go. But if you want to be a head coach at a spot for eight years, 10 years, which is the upper end now of of coaching stops in the NFL, you need a quarterback that you like and that you fit with. When you're looking at some of these destinations, you're thinking about the quarterbacks. Think of these quarterbacks as quarterback situations rather than just the quarterbacks. Because if we're ranking at this moment... The Jags, the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Bears, the Vikings, the Giants. The best quarterback right now of that group is Kirk Cousins. But is that the best quarterback situation? Not when you factor in the contract and the fatigue that he probably has given the ownership and the fans and the the failures in the past, right? Kirk Cousins is a lot more than his football reference page would indicate. You got to think of Kirk Cousins as a situation, not just as an individual. The Broncos, they don't have a quarterback. But I'd almost rather take over the Broncos and start fresh, than sign up for Daniel Jones or Tua. Now I get the Broncos are in a tough division and they've been looking for a quarterback for a while, so maybe it's dumb to just expect them to get one now. But I'd rather sign up for uncertainty as a head coach and promise and the ability to build for the future and low expectations rather than signing up for a quarterback that I don't like or a quarterback's contract in the case of Kirk Cousins that I don't like. Just some interesting thoughts. And this was my goal for this topic, right? Right. By talking about the bad teams, by talking about the teams with issues, we actually learn what makes good teams good. Because when we're talking about, you know, why is this team looking for a coach? Why is this team looking for a GM? Well, they're bad at this, that, and the other thing. So flip the mirror around. That's why the Packers are good. That's why Tampa's good. That's why this team is good because they don't have those issues. So, yeah, we're talking about teams that don't really matter right now in the grand scheme of things other than just the sake of conversation. But by doing so, we learn a lot about the good teams. And the Packers, obviously, I think we're... Vast majority of Packers fans here. I know we have fans of other teams that text and call, but this is a Wisconsin Sports Show, and I think it's a good way to learn about our team. Let's talk about Matt LaFleur and why he's good. We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers coming up next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm glad you're here today, and I'm glad the phones are working. This is so much better. Last few days, I feel like I'm pulling teeth because I'm just rambling and rambling. And we talked to Tim, talked to Fred, talked to Mike. It's good to connect with you all. Mike in downtown Madison, he sends a follow-up text. It says, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers and what he said about the boycott Super Bowl comments? I don't, I don't care. Anytime there's a rumor about Aaron Rodgers, he always gets so fired up to defend himself. It's just I don't I don't know I don't care I watched the interview today and I saved a couple of sound bites we're gonna hear one in a sec I just whatever someone trolled Boomer Asayson by saying Rodgers is gonna boycott the Super Bowl and then it became a thing I don't know whatever do what he wants Alec and Menominee thanks for the text I was like hearing from Menominee you can tweet me as well at Wisco Grant Ebo will join us at 5:30 Packers question I got a Badgers question for him and then I got some life questions I think of Ebo as my radio father a work, a professional father figure. So, yes, I want to talk about sports, but I also have some things uh, that I want cleared up, and I'm hoping Ebo can help me. One is a financial question. The other one's just really random. Uh, you'll just have to hang around until 5.30. Aaron Rodgers on the McAfee Show. I thought this was useful. Some of the stuff about COVID and boycotting this, whatever. That's your, th- go listen. I don't really need to spend time on it on this show. He was asked, what makes Matt LaFleur really good, Aaron? Because there's a lot of coaches who suck. So what makes Matt LaFleur not suck?
5: I think what we did was we went out and, and found uh, a guy who would fit, who would fit uh, in the region, who would uh, bring together a good staff, who him and I could get along well. You know, it's obviously worked out uh, really well. He communicates well. He delegates really well. And he's got a great mind. You know, I think the most important thing uh, for a head coach to do is work and put in the time. And he does. I mean he works his ass off. And he's a very creative mind. But you you have to have balance but you also have to have that work ethic. And you know, Matt leads by example in that in that uh,
2: department. Nobody works harder than he does. So you gotta work really hard, right? Matt LaFleur works really hard. And I bet most coaches do. I think us as common folk, when we think about professional athletes or coaches or broadcasters, or musicians or singer-songwriters or artists, right, we, in our mind, think, well, I could never do that. They're so talented. They were born that way. They're they're wired different. I, I can't even, I can't wrap my mind around how someone could write a song like that or how someone could come up with that play or run that fast. And yes, these special people who do special things, sports, music, acting, they do have talent. They're born with talent. I think Alan Ein- or Albert Einstein, Alan, Alan was his brother. He, he worked at a diner. He was... Very disappointing. Albert Einstein said, "What is it? Success is one percent talent and ninety-nine percent hard work." So, Matt Lafleur would be easy to think, "Oh, he's just got this beautiful mind; he's a genius." Well, actually, he works really hard. And I was reminded today of something that was in a documentary that came out years ago. It's the History of the Eagles doc, and it's a really cool clip that I've never forgotten. It's Glenn Fry talking about the time where he lived with Jackson Brown and learned how to write music by listening to Jackson Brown write music. And I'm going to play you
0: this clip. It's about a minute long. We slept late in those days, except around nine o'clock in the morning, I'd hear Jackson Brown's teapot going off with this whistle in the distance. And then I'd hear him playing piano. I didn't really know how to write songs. I knew I wanted to write songs, but I didn't know exactly. You just wait around for inspiration, you know was the deal well I learned through the through the Jackson ceiling and my floor exactly how to write songs. because Jackson would get up and he'd play the first verse and first course and he it 20 times until he had it just the way he wanted and then there'd be silence and then I'd hear the teapot go off again and be quiet for 10 or 20 minutes then I'd hear him start to play again and there was a second verse so then he'd work on the second verse and he'd play it 20 times. And then he'd go back to the top of the song and he'd play the first verse, the first chorus, and the second verse another 20 times until he was really comfortable with it and, you know, change a word here or there. And I'm, I'm, I'm up there going, so that's how you do it. Elbow grease, you know, time, thought, uh, persistence.
2: So for us common folk, we might think of a songwriter like Jackson Brown. Or someone like think of your typical singer songwriters they're just wired different right They're they're born with this talent and they just pull lyrics out of the ether and yes to a degree that's true but jackson brown who's one of the best songwriters ever sat down for hours at his piano and just banged away like sometimes creating music isn't just pulling inspiration out of the clouds it's elbow grease and it's a math problem and you're moving around different bits of music and you do it over and over and over and over again so from a sports perspective now, to bring it back to Matt LaFleur, we might think of Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or, or Matt LaFleur any of these, you know, Zach Taylor, these offensive-minded head coaches who are so creative. And they come up with things that we can't even fathom, right? We think it's because they're super talented. And yes, they are. But also, like, you can work really hard. Really, really, really hard. And that's the part we don't see. We see them on Sunday with their headset and think, wow, that passed. He is he's is something else the way that he can just call plays. Well, you know for every play he calls, he's probably working for hours in his office writing down different things and erasing them and trying this and that, and sending emails and then the guy responds and oh, we don't like that. Let's redo it. Let's move it around this way. Right? Music and sports and acting just being successful and we talked about Mike Zimmer. We got a life lesson from Mike Zimmer earlier this week. Right? Being successful is a lot of hard work. Yes, you have to be talented. But Matt LaFleur just doesn't pull, you know, amazing. He doesn't dream up these amazing plays. He's in his office for hours. And for us, it's easy to think it all comes from heaven. Well, no. You'd work really damn hard. And I thought that was cool. Uh, Aaron Rodgers talking about, yeah, he's, you know, he's clever and he's a good communicator. But the man works really hard. And I was reminded of that story by Glenn Fry. I've never forgotten that. Because even the most talented people on earth, they got to bust their ass. Coming up next... I want to keep talking. Let's keep talking about this. Coaching hires, Aaron Rodgers, all of it. Evo's coming up at 530. Let's take a break for two minutes here from Zach Heilpern, Wisco Sports Show, back after this.
6: I have done all.
0: minus we're in single elimination played right now we're gonna have to put everything into each and every game it is great having the road to the Super Bowl going through Lambeau that doesn't guarantee anything
1: this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports Packers Brewers Badgers Bucks the Wisco Sports Show is on the air here's your host Grant Bills
2: from our madison affiliate the zone his show's called over the line i'm gonna pick his brain at 5:30 about the packers and the badgers also some some life questions too i'm curious got some text here schmidt on the north side and i know schmidt's profession i know he is a teacher he says another occupation that takes a lot of hard work radio hosts and teachers teachers is another good example right you think, oh, they have a gift with children. You just, you put them in the classroom and they just they know how to talk to kids. Wow, that's a gift they have. They're so good at, at speaking in front of a classroom. No, because for every hour that a teacher is teaching kids, they're working for two hours behind the scenes to line up the lesson plan, to figure out how long is this going to take, how long is this going to take. I got to get this slideshow ready. I'm going to prepare that. Like, no profession just steps out and just and just does it based on talent alone. The stand-up comedians. Oh, my God. Dave Chappelle is such a natural. No, he busts his ass, right? He He writes his routine, tests it out, tweaks it, tests it out, tweaks it, tests it out, bombs, tweaks it again, and then finally he gets it down. This is true for every profession. Football coaches at the most successful level, you think, oh, they're so talented. Yeah, they are, but they also work for hours and hours and hours to tweak and get things right. Musicians and songwriters, you think somebody sits down and I don't know. Do you think Don McLean sat down and wrote American Pie in just six minutes on a napkin? Oh, I'm inspired. Here I go. Like, no. Probably took hours, days, weeks of writing and rewriting. And he probably wrote a verse and then he didn't like it. So he rewrote it. And it's work. It's work. It's work. It's work. So to say that Matt LaFleur is a great coach. Oh, he's such a good communicator and he delegates. Yeah, so do all coaches. The ones who don't, don't get hired or they get fired right away like Joe Judge. You going to work. Really hard, and we don't see that behind the scenes. I thought that comment from Aaron Rodgers was pretty cool. If you missed it, I just rehashed a little bit for you there. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. The phones are working. It was like 30 degrees today. It's just, I'm just happy to be alive. And to quote our upcoming guest, Ebo, who will be here at 530, any day I'm not pushing daisies is a good day. And I'm going to paraphrase that and say any day that I have enough sleep and good coffee and no coworkers bother me uh, and the phone's working is a good day. Also, if I'm not pushing daisies. Uh, sometimes pushing Daisy sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? Uh, here's a text from Zach and Eau Claire, and I made a crack about Aaron Rodgers and how he defended himself so vehemently from somebody random who said that he wants to boycott the Super Bowl. Um, and I guess I was probably I, pro- I sounded disparaging to Aaron Rodgers in that moment because uh, I can't help myself. Zach texts in this, and it's an awesome point. Don't get me wrong; I think Aaron Rodgers occasionally thinks he's a little smarter than he is, or he's a little condescending. But I feel like he can't really win when people start spitting out breaking news or weird takes on him. When he doesn't comment at all, people get mad because he won't come out and set the record straight. And then when he does, people respond to a question on the McAfee show or on the Wisco Sports Show, and they rip him for freaking out about a boomer size and goof take like the show. Zach, that is an excellent point. You're absolutely right. If Aaron Rodgers says too much, we think he's off the handle. And if he doesn't say anything at all, right, then we rip him because he doesn't come out and set the record straight. I think the off season stuff is maybe a little bit different than this because in the off season he just he goes quiet, right? He's not really on social media. He's not doing hits on the McAfee he show. He's obviously not doing press conferences because the Packers aren't it's not a thing. It's it's not the season. So in the off season, when there are all these rumors swirling, I, I think we look to him and say, Hey, can you tweet something? Can you do an interview? Can you do something to set the record straight? Whereas in the season there are all these little stories going around. And I and I get what you're saying, Zach. Right. If he doesn't address it, then he's being vague and he's like feeding the drama almost. Um, But if he does address it, then we we call him, you know, whatever I call him, whatever. I just I think sometimes when I think he loves this, he loves it. I think he loves when people accuse him of something or they try to, quote unquote, cancel him or like, I just think he loves the back and forth. He just loves to fight. And as Packers fans, maybe we should love it because he seems to play a little bit better. He's just more dialed in. He's just awake. If you watch pressers, which are a performance in and of themselves, right? It's obviously not the same as playing on a football field, but it's going to work. It's talking to the media. It's thinking critically. It's answering questions and speaking for your organization and being a, a PR arm for the Green Bay Packers, right? When someone comes at him in a presser, oh, God, he perks up. He's he's ready to go, right? And he'll he'll speak forever. Right. So I, I do think Aaron Rodgers loves it. And if some goof who I think was just pranking Boomer Assize, and I think later in the show they're like, yeah, this is fake. We're getting pranked. We're getting messed with. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers loves it. And I think he's okay when people rip him for reading this book or doing this, that, the other thing, because he likes it. And I think we all like, we all like mixing it up to a certain degree. It's fun. Drama's fun. We wouldn't watch reality TV if we didn't like drama. And luckily, Aaron Rodgers is kind of reality TV. He just happens to also be really good at quarterback, and he has the Packers on bye this week. So with the Packers on bye, we've been kicking around some other topics. We started the show by kind of ranking destinations. If you're a coach and you're coveted and teams want you, which job is the most appealing, right? We talked about the Broncos and the Jags and the Dolphins and the Bears and the Vikings and the Giants. I think the Jags could be perfect If things go a certain way, I think the Jags need to do what the Lions did. The Jags need to look in the mirror and realize we are a joke. (laughs) Our fans wore clown outfits to the game. No one respects us. We're not relevant. The only reason people talk about us is because we have Trevor Lawrence. And once Urban Meyer was cut loose, we stopped paying attention. We stopped caring because even if Urban Meyer was a car accident, a car accident is still fun to watch. So we were watching. They are irrelevant. And the owner, Shad Khan, needs to realize that and say, okay, we need to go about our business differently. We're not the Steelers. We're not the Cowboys. We're not even the Broncos at this moment or the Dolphins or the Bears or the Vikings. We're the Jags, and we need to hire thusly. I think they need to do what Detroit did. Detroit brought in Dan Campbell because I'm sure they loved him, and he loved his you know, his vision, and I'm sure the the Fords loved his plan moving forward and his energy and all that. But also it helps that he played for the Lions, from that area, it means a lot to him. He's personally invested in that team, so he's a great hire. That's why I think Byron Leftwich has to be the guy for the Jags, right? A guy who played in Jacksonville, can come in and and almost be a spokesman for that team. right? He can be Jacksonville. That's why that hire makes sense. And if they hire him, and they hire, and the GM works, and Shad Khan, as the owner, steps out of the way and lets the football people do the football things, that division is winnable, absolutely. They have a ton of high draft picks. Obviously, they could trade down from the first spot a pile of cap space just because all their players are young. It could be a great spot. Now, if they go big game hunting and they try to get some TV analyst or bring some guy out of retirement like they did with Urban Meyer, then it's going to fail miserably. But if they're smart like Detroit was, I think it can work. I think the Vikings are a good spot. I think the Vikings are a great spot. And it's weird because we mocked the Vikings and they deserve to be mocked for the last couple of years. Mike Zimmer wasn't with it. He wasn't modern football. Spielman was good, like any GM. He had good drafts. He had bad drafts. But it just became really unproductive because Zimmer didn't like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins didn't like Zimmer. And for that reason, he just kind of disconnected. Anytime he would be criticized or people would be unhappy with him or ask him questions, he'd say, I don't know, ask Zimmer, ask this guy. I just work here. So it became... Not collaborative. There was no delegation. There was no communication, which led to a bad product on the field. And because Kirk Cousins is making so much, Rick Spielman really had to thread the needle with his drafts. And you have a couple of bad drafts just for bad luck. Guy goes off the handle and ends up in jail for being a domestic abuser, as was the case with that corner. What was his name? Gladney, Jeff Gladney, right? Sucks. And it fell apart for Minnesota. And we mock him for all that because they failed the last couple of years. But the Wolves are good owners. They want to win. They want to spend money. they got a brilliant, beautiful, brand-new stadium, brand-new practice facilities, excited fan base. They're a little nuts, if you ask me, but they're excited, and that stadium's not going to be empty. That's a good spot. The rest of the teams, it just depends. You know, what do you think about Daniel Jones? I think he sucks, but maybe there's a coach out there that loves him. I don't know. What do you think about the Broncos? Maybe instead of being pinned with Tua or with Daniel Jones, quarterbacks that you may or may not like, you take what's behind door number two with the Broncos. They don't have a quarterback per se, but they could get one. They got a lot of picks near the top of the draft. They could maneuver around. Problem with the Broncos is you're in a division with Mahomes and Carr and Herbert, and that's that's tough. You need to get an amazing quarterback to be competitive in that division. But then again, do you have a prayer with Tua? Do you have a prayer with Daniel Jones? I don't think so, but you might have a prayer with Denver if everything falls into place. What about the Bears? you like Justin Fields? I, I'm not passing judgment on Justin Fields. His rookie season was bad. It was very bad. But that doesn't mean he will be bad. That doesn't mean he is bad. That means his rookie season was bad. So there are probably coaches out there, as evidenced, by the way, in last year's draft, when the Panthers passed on Justin Fields and the Broncos passed on Justin Fields and the Niners passed on... All these teams passed on Justin Fields. So there's obviously varying opinions on Fields in the NFL. I'm sure there are coaching candidates that think he's a stud and would love the opportunity to work with them. And I'm sure there's coaches who think Justin Fields sucks and wants to stay away. So it depends on the coach, right? What do you think of the McCaskies? That presser is bizarre. I don't know if I, I want to go work with that guy if I can avoid it. If I have other options, I don't, I don't know if I want to work with that weird, creepy, I don't, off-color dude. I don't I don't think I want to go there. I want to do that. And then the Giants, of course, following in Joe Judge's footsteps. I don't know. All of these teams have good and bad. Some have more good than bad. We talked about that a little bit to start the show. And if you have thoughts on that, send me a text. 608-796-2558. You can call as well. The phone is working today. It's amazing. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. I also want to throw out this prompt, this topic. And it's something we can talk about until we connect with Ebo at 530. What playoff matchups get us going? Right? Let's fast forward through wildcard weekend. Which teams would scare you? come into Lambeau Field, and which teams make you laugh? And you go, oh, we got this. We're fine. We'll win by 14. Now, obviously, all these teams can't advance, but we can talk about the 49ers, the Cowboys. uh, uh, Why am I having a brain fart? The Eagles, the Rams, the Cardinals. Tampa Bay won't come for the division round, but could come in the championship round again. Which one of these teams scares you and which one of these teams makes you feel confident? Right? Before we start yelling out teams, let's think about this for a sec. And remember, The NFL is super dynamic. It changes every week. It changes drastically every week. At one point this season, Zimmer had the highest odds to be fired, and then he won two games, and then he went down to like sixth or seventh in the odds. And then at the end of the year, it all fell apart, and he was fired, and the Sean Mannion game on primetime, that was just bad, right? It's very much a week-to-week sport, right? Have you seen the movie um, Unstoppable? It's a movie about a train, right? It's a thriller. It's very dramatic. Denzel Washington, Chris Pine. I think Rosario Dawson's in it. Uh, it's probably like 10 years old. It's a movie about a runaway train. And it starts, the train is just putting along real slowly, but the engineer like falls out or like jumps out of the train to pull a lever or whatever. And the train starts moving faster, so he can't get in, he can't catch up to it. And now this train is going full speed runaway. They don't have any chance to stop it. And for the whole movie, they're doing math because the train is headed towards a town. And in this town, there's a big curve. And if the train gets up to a certain speed, it's going to launch off of that curve and it's going to go right into town and the train's a mile long and it's going to explode and injure a bunch of people, right? So the whole movie, they're doing math about how fast this train will be going if it's allowed to reach this dangerous point in town, right? So they're looking into the future. They're projecting, man, if we don't stop this train, you know, it's going to do this, that, and and, and it's going to blow up and it's going to, you know, cause this much damage, whatever. They're projecting. They're doing math. They're looking into the future. So when we think about which one of these teams could beat the Packers or have no chance of beating the Packers. We got to think about these teams as a train right now. And they're on the tracks and they're moving. And then this weekend, they're going to come to a fork in the road. They're going to come to right They're, they're going to play games this weekend. And some teams are going to be eliminated. And some teams are going to pick up momentum. And like the train in this movie, they're going to start going faster. And they're going to become more difficult to stop. Right? With every win, you pick up a little more speed and a little bit more juice. And that's why I think of the 49ers. Because right now, they don't seem all that intimidating, right? They barely got into the playoffs. Barely. They barely snuck in. But the Niners in Week 18 won in just incredible fashion, had to win to get in, and they did. And I think it was a real rallying point for the team. It's crazy. A lot of juice. Now, if they go into Dallas this weekend and knock off Dak Prescott and America's team in a year where we're all pretty high on the Cowboys... They're going to pick up more speed, and they're going to get more dangerous. So I think the Niners, just looking down the road a little bit, if things fall right for them, they could really become a dangerous team, even though we really didn't think of them in that way a month ago or even you know two weeks ago, for example. Let's go to the phone, 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, uh, Ray.
7: Uh, I just wanted to chime in on the uh, train concept. Yeah. I had some fights. Pipe- my family over the years because I was on the side with the Khalil Mack and Jared Goff trades of the ones that are bringing back all these picks and not, you know, middling teams. Even the Rams were in playoffs last year, but they didn't really do much. Mm -hmm. So I consider them a middling team making a big investment. Um, And, you know, now I'm kind of going back to those guys and saying, oh, well, how'd that trade work out? Khalil Mack is injured all year and, Mm -hmm. you know, he's old and still on a middling team. But that was also in the context of over the offseason. What haul could the Packers have gotten for Rodgers if uh, the Jordan Love experiment weren't such a dumpster fire? Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I think in terms of those trades, you know, the Jared Goff and Khalil Mack are microcosms of, you know, in baseball you kind of have these farm systems where it's just pure luck as to who's going to work out. Mm-hmm. But when you've got that kind of a piece that you could turn around for three first-rounders plus, from my perspective it makes sense to just bank it and then you're a team like the dolphins or the buccaneers last year where you just kind of fit in that one piece i, I think aaron Rodgers is going to the dolphins next year by the way yeah so that's, <laughs> that's you get what that you're one betting? piece in there yeah and, well i mean because they've got so many you know first round high picks that are everywhere that if you just fit in that one piece they're going to work but i mean that's the side i'm just saying in terms of these trades um i, I think that more teams would would become total juggernauts like the Houston Astros if they just totally uh, broke it down and got pieces back like that. So
2: thanks for your time. Yeah, I agree. And Ray, it's nice to hear from you. Call back anytime. I love the points you're making. I I like considering trades because they're so bizarre, right? Like when a team trades a a fourth round pick for Desmond King or or whatever, that's pretty, that's pretty forgettable. But when a team says, we're going to give you our next three first-round picks for this player. Or we're going to give you two first-round picks to trade up and get this player. That's a trade we can follow along with. We can revisit that. We can come back to that. And the Niners are a good example, a team that I was just talking about. Gave up a pile of first-round picks to move up to get Trey Lance, who hasn't been good enough to supplant Jimmy G this year. Right? And obviously, that's a trade we're going to follow down the line. The Bears are one that you mentioned. Uh, The Rams gave up a bunch to go get Jared Goff and then gave up a bunch more to switch him with Matthew Stafford, right? These teams that are in the NFC playoffs. The one thing that I'll say about these blockbuster trades, and I tend to agree, I'd rather have the draft capital. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it's an interview I went back and listened to like a week ago because he, I was thinking about something. I was like, Eric talked about this. What was it? And it, it, it wasn't this. It was something with AJ Dillon that I wanted to go back and revisit. But Eric brought up and I and I asked him about teams that are trading multiple first rounders. And I brought up Jamal Adams. And I brought up Khalil Mack and Jared Goff and Trey Lance and Matthew Stafford. And he used a betting analogy because he's a brilliant sports better who's really successful. He said, when you take a player in the first round with a first round pick, you're basically getting that pick at a cost of like, basically even money, but let's say plus 110, right? So if you draft that player and the player doesn't hit, you're not out a pile. You're out a little bit but it's nothing that's going to cripple you financially moving forward. The price on that one first round pick that you use to take a college player, it's priced at like 110, plus 110, just plus money a little bit, right? Or I, I guess in this instance, it would be minus 110. So I'm thinking about this backwards. You're, you're giving up 100 if you miss, right? You're taking it at minus money. Now, if you take multiple first round picks and you cash them in for a player, that player is much more likely to hit, but the cost is immense, Right. You're now spending like minus 600, minus 700. So the return is is much slower. Now, the chances that Khalil Mack is going to hit, very high. The chances that Matthew Stafford are going to hit is very high. But if they don't hit the cost that you're giving up relative to the cost of drafting one college player, it's insane. The difference is huge. Right. And that's something you need to consider. And so often in sports media, and, and then I'll wrap it up and take a break after responding to Ray's last point here. So often in sports media, we boil this down to as, as, well, the Rams gave up picks, unknowns for a proven player. They, they got Matthew Stafford back. Of course they win the trade. Yeah, but you're a bad analyst if you don't factor in what things cost. If I drive home a brand new Toyota Avalon to my house tomorrow, and I love Toyota Avalon. It's my favorite car. If I came home with a Toyota Avalon, my roommate or my friend or whoever would look, he's like, yeah, that's a sick new car. That's awesome. Good for you. And I told him, yeah, I paid $300,000 for it. Now, all of a sudden, that car isn't so sick, right? You're a bad analyst if you don't factor in what things cost. And I think that's where we dropped the ball with some of those trades that Ray mentioned. The Rams, the Niners, the Seahawks with Jamal Adams, or the Bears with Khalil Mack. Even if the players hit, when you factor in cost, it's not so black and white. It's not so simple as just getting the proven player. Let's take a break. We're really late. We'll talk more about this for a few minutes. And then we got to get to Ebo at about 535. Wisco Sports Show, back in a few.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show, our buddy Ebo will be here in about 10 minutes, give or take. We really went long with that first segment of the five o'clock hour. That's my bad. I just, I gotta be a better host. You know, I'm a fan of good conversation. I love taking calls, love making arguments, love chopping it up. But sometimes I I stop looking at the clock. I don't have a producer. I don't have someone to whack me on the hand and say, hey, idiot, take a break. 608-796-2558. We get a text from John and a text from Jonah. Jonah talking about the coaching choices. Says, I think NFL coaching jobs are only as good as their quarterback situation. Minnesota is loaded on both sides of the ball, but Cousins is likely gone. See Jonah. One sec. I don't think Minnesota is loaded on both sides of the ball. This is what I talked about back at like 4.50. We, we do this to ourselves. Instead of saying Minnesota has nice pieces on both sides of the ball, we say they're loaded. That's not true, right? Minnesota's got good players here and there. They also have issues, right? You don't go 9 and 8 with a loaded roster and a good quarterback, right? They have issues. They're not loaded. They have good pieces. I'll give you that. But I, I got to stop and say, hey, this is part of the problem here. They're not loaded. Cousins is likely gone, maybe, if they can find a trade candidate and if the GM wants to do that. If I'm an NFL candidate, I'd be looking at Miami, Chicago, or Jacksonville. Denver, of course, would be an instant favorite if Rodgers ends up there. You talk about the quarterback situation. Yes, Jonah. You're not as good as the quarterback. You're as good as the quarterback situation. Kirk Cousins is probably the best quarterback of all of the head coaching openings right now. That doesn't mean he's the best quarterback situation because of the money and how the last couple of years have gone. I think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback situation. When you factor in the money, how young he is, how little potential we, we like has even been tapped yet. I think he's got so much room to expand and get better, and that'll only happen with great coaching, and Urban Meyer was not that this year in Jacksonville. Now, would you rather go to Miami or New York? Because they have quarterbacks, Daniel Jones and Tua, they are NFL starters. They're not very good ones, but they're starters. Or would you rather go to Denver? There's no one, but you wouldn't immediately be tied to a quarterback that you already don't like, right? Like, would you rather get to Denver and have to take what's behind door number three, which could be Drew Locke? It could also be Kenny Pickett. It could be Matt Coral. It could be one of the, you know, the guys in this year's NFL draft or Maybe it could be Aaron Rodgers. It could also be Drew Locke, right? But, is that roll of the dice preferable to Daniel Jones or Tua, quarterback you might not like from day one? That's a tough spot to be in as well. John texts in and says on this Packers playoff survey, I guess, very informal survey we're doing. He said, my uh, teams that would make me most nervous for the Packers to host. Number one would be Sam Fran, two would be Tampa Bay, and number three would be LA, Arizona, Dallas. Okay, well, for the sake of this conversation, John, you're in luck. Don't worry about Tampa Bay because they're not coming in the divisional round. That wouldn't be until the championship round. So take Tampa Bay out of there. I agree with you that San Fran would be one. Not because San Fran is terrifying right now, but consider the variables, right? San Fran had to get hot down the stretch to make it into the playoffs. They had to rally around Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan on the road in week 18 to just get into the playoffs. So they've been in playoff mode for a week already now. And they have an opportunity to knock off Dallas in Dallas, a team America's team, everyone's going to be watching. If they can pull that upset, oh, oh, who I I would not want to be in the locker room after that game. They'd be, I mean, they would be full of themselves. They're going to be fat and hot and cocky. And they're already a physical team, a team that's constructed in a way that's given the Packers fits the last couple of years. So I'm thinking down the road. Because if San Fran is coming to Green Bay, they'd have to beat Dallas, and that creates some kind of monster that I don't I don't know that I want to deal with. Tampa Bay, of course, we deal with that in the conference championship round if it happens. LA's quarterback by Matt Stafford. Let me be clear on this. And I have been clear since January when he was traded. Matthew Stafford scares me a negative amount. He does not scare me. He actually like I actually grin at the opportunity for him to play the Packers at Lambeau. He had a two-touchdown lead at home in Week 18 to eliminate the Niners, a team that's been their bugaboo the last couple of years. And he crumbled. He folded like a portable ice shanty, like a camp chair. The only way the Packers lose to L.A. at home, some shenanigans would have to happen. They'd have to get off to a slow start, probably have a bad turnover or two, and then drop Matthew Stafford potential interception. So if we get a Darnell Savage special, like we got in Week 11 against Minnesota, and a bunch of other things go wrong, sure, maybe they could lose to Stafford, but... I mean, at some point, the Packers have to have some good luck in the playoffs. I think they're due for a little bit this year, which means they ain't losing to Matthew Stafford. Sorry. Kyler Murray in the cold? Forget about it. That's going to be a train wreck for the Cardinals, who have been reeling the last couple weeks anyway. So let's take a break. We'll get to Ebo from The Zone, host of Over the Line. I got some Packers questions, some Badgers questions, and just some life advice questions for Ebo. He'll join us next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grants. Our next guest from the Zone in Madison. His show is Over the Line. Every morning from 6 to 10, it's an excellent award-winning program. I join it once a week on Tuesdays and always have a good time. Evo is here. My radio father figure. Evo, welcome. (laughs) Happy New Year. I don't think I've had you on since the New Year. I know it's the 11th or the 12th, but happy New Year. Happy 2022.
6: That's fine. I got like a two-week buffer for that. But yes, happy 2022. Happy New Year, Grant. And uh, I'm pleasured to be joining this fine program that is also uh, (laughs) award-winning.
2: It is. By the way, it's WBA season. I think today is the deadline for submitting awards. So I submitted a segment. By the way, did you submit anything from your show to be award-winning? Oh, Grant Bills, no, I have not submitted anything to Shoot.
6: WBA. The, the, the show stands alone. It's it's well-known. Uh, millions <laughs> of fans worldwide. So, yes. No, I have not. But I wish all the
2: best of luck to you, my friend. Your show is the people's champ. That's how that works. You don't need the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association to uh, to tell you how to do. By, by the way, Ebo, just to clue our, our listeners in. Um, both of your show who might be listening and obviously people who were just listening to me. Um, you and me were arguing about Rogers earlier today over Twitter DM, just yelling at each other. We, it, it didn't get personal, but we were we were going back and forth and it basically devolved into a shouting match about COVID and Rogers and all this stuff. And then when it was all said and done, I was like, all right, anyway, do you uh, want to come on the show tonight? Like 5.30? Uh, <laughs> like, I just love that we have that connection. A- <laughs>
6: It was incredible, Grant. It was a it was a it was a battle of wits and minds, just going mano a mano, knuckle to knuckle in the DMs. <laughs> but yes, I mean that, that's what it all comes down to, Grant. Bill's is the friendship that we've grown, you know, despite differing on some things, and agreeing on others, and yeah. just finding common ground and living a good life together. Well, you know, it's weird.
2: Yeah, it's it's the human experience. Um, we're both diehard Packers fans, and Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback, and we love him, and we want him to win. You know, we can be fans differently, but I think we have common ground there. How are you tackling the Packers this week? Because the bye week is always tough, right? Are you, are you looking back, like, season in review? Are you talking MVP stuff? Are you looking at playoff matchups? What are you doing with the Packers this week?
6: You know, it's one of those weeks where you kind of feel like a lost little puppy just waiting for someone to come find you. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, trying to, trying to, you know, navigate the Packers in this bye week. It's a good thing, right? You get a little rest, really- Relaxation, some guys back like Bakhtiari, you know, and the Zedaria Smith medically cleared. I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners at both of our fine programs, uh, Packers JT Jeff. I loved him stirring the pot yesterday to get us in kind of this this lull of a time. Is Zedaria Smith truly going to come back, or is he going to you know pull some fast one on us? So you know, from the health of the Packers to conspiracy theories of Zedaria pulling the wool over the Packers' eyes, but. Thankfully, he was medically cleared and back at practice today. And it's just been one of those things. And then, of course, Grant Bills, you know how I am. MVP odds. Have yeah. to talk Rodgers and getting us fourth.
2: What are the MVP odds? Did you send them? You sent me. Oh, I was talking with another friend about M- NBA MVP odds. Rodgers is still leading. Has there been any movement with Brady? Because I saw Bruce Arians was banging the drum. Like, it's going to be Rodgers, it looks like. I know it's something we can debate. I want to pull up the odds here. You didn't place an MVP future. You don't have money on any of these guys, do you? No,
6: I don't. I have no, I have zero skin in the game when it comes to money wise. Uh, but yeah, Rogers actually from um, after the Lions game, he moved up uh, in being the favorite. But also, Tom Brady moved up as well. But it's Rogers by,
2: gosh, is he minus minus five? He's minus five hundred. Five hundred. Yeah, Brady's, Brady's a plus three. What's Brady like? Plus seven fifty. Plus three fifty. So it is a little bit closer. What's cool is. Joe Burrow was third a week ago at, like, plus 1,000. He's now plus 2,500, and Cooper Cup is third. Do you think that a wide receiver or running back should be able to win MVP? I just think that's dumb, and it sucks. Like, well, it's just a quarterback award. Yeah, and I guess that's boring, but that's kind of how I feel. Do you think wide receiver, like, our Badger guy, Jonathan Taylor, like, do you think he should be able to win an MVP? Because I really don't.
6: Well, I mean, should he be able to win this year? No. I mean, Rodgers has been so good for what he means for his team is that it's not the most outstanding player. It's the most valuable player to the team, right? So, um, you know, I, I get more of a gripe of like a Heisman Award when it's only quarterbacks that always was in the Heisman Award. Why can't we get some running backs or more running backs to do so? Yeah. But yeah for Or wide receivers. Um, I know there was one last year, though. But when we look at, you know, the Packers and or the MVP – Yeah, they should be up for it, but Rodgers just means so much to his team. I think you saw that when Jordan Love came in against what the Chiefs, Mm -hmm. and then a little bit at the end of that Lions game. So, yeah, most valuable player, not most outstanding.
2: I wish the Heisman was a little bit more fun, because now the Heisman's just becoming the NFL MVP, and I think in college the playing field is so much more level, because you can have running backs who are just superhuman or wide receivers that are literally so good that, like, they almost are more valuable than quarterbacks. And we don't get that in the NFL. I wish we... I wish the Heisman was a little bit more fun in college. Speaking of college, Evo, from the zone, did you watch the national championship on Monday night, and did you guys talk about that at all?
6: Yeah, I mean, we did. We also bet on it, you know, go figure. Yeah. But I, for me, Grant, it's like I'm so, like, I'm so over Alabama. I know how good they are, and you plug in, you look at the athletes and how just incredible they are, and, you know, what it would be like the next level of the NFL. But I'm just so, like, apathetic now to whenever there's the college football playoffs. It was a little bit because Wisconsin's not involved, yes. But also, I'm just kind of weary of, like, all this SEC stuff thrown on my face. So I had it on as background noise. Yeah. I did watch and from time to time. But I wasn't, like, completely invested.
2: Yeah. My takeaway on Besides Tuesday. Monetarily. Yeah, mon- monetarily. My takeaway on Tuesday was, wow, great players, legendary coaches, Saban, and now Kirby Smart gets a ring, which is cool. And it was cool to see a different team win, but – my takeaway was that the Badgers are never going to be able to do that, at least not the way that college football is set up, like, right now, right? Like, if the Badgers thread the needle and recruit really good and they get lucky and the schedule works out, then they make the Rose Bowl. Like, I don't—I I think as Badgers fans, we need to temper our expectations because they're miles away from what we watched on Monday night. And, and that's fine because there's two or three teams in college football that can win titles, and that's it. And I, I don't know. Is that a bummer? Like, is that – am I annoying for no, bringing that just- up? Grant,
6: you're getting older. That's just reality <laughs> hitting you in the face. That's just you learning from your past experiences. No, yeah. so I'm, I'm with you. We, on our show, we were talking about, um, you know, I think I posed the question to you as well when you joined me on Tuesday. The first question was, what would happen first? We discover that aliens truly are real or the Brewers win the World Series. We went with the aliens. And yeah. then the question was, the, the question initially was, aliens are real? Or the Badgers win the college football playoffs. And then I said, well, hang on a second. The Badgers get to the college football playoffs. Yeah, I had to temper that. So uh, you look at it, once they expand, the Badgers, sure, will get to the playoffs, I would imagine. if, But once they do get there, the question is, what happens next? And after watching the title game, you're like, I don't – there's so many good players. But that's why they play the game. You know, who knows? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's fun to watch. Some of those players are nuts. Like the defensive lineman for Georgia, number 99, I think his name is Jordan Davis. Um, he's like 6'6", 340, and he just runs like the wind. Like, we were watching highlights on Monday night. It's fun to watch teams with players like that, but then you start to realize, oh, yeah, the Badgers don't The Badgers don't have guys like that. And that's fine, right? I'll still watch the Badgers and enjoy, but I, I think we waste oh. our time when we have Zach hmm. Heilpern on the show and we say, how do they get to that next level? Well, I don't know. Get all different players, play in the South. Like, we're just, I don't know. We're a ways away. You just
6: gotta, You just got to live in the moment and enjoy it for what it is and find –
2: Find beautyness in the imperfection of it all, Grant Bills, Okay. Jeez. I. By the way, I, I. love that, and that's part of what makes college football fun, right? Is I think success means the drama things, right? of sports. Yeah. Jeez. We're we're getting deep. So, Evo. Last time I had you on, I, I asked you some life advice questions. We um, asked <laughs> you because you're a workout machine. I asked you about that. By the way, I went to the gym yesterday. I went to the gym this morning. I even ran well to the gym. So I just I, I want awesome. credit for Good that. Um, the vegetable thing. I need to get better at, but we talked a little bit about healthy eating. Fine. I have two things I don't want to ask you about because you are a radio father figure. I look to you for advice. Number number one, I have a buddy who's a financial planner, not one that like keeps asking me for money to like he's 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 cool, you know, because you have those friends who you haven't talked to in four years. and They're like, hey, by the way, to let you know, I'm working for such and such firm and I'd love to help you. Leave me alone. But uh, he was telling me the other night about virtual property. And I know that you are a crypto guy. You understand all this. People are paying millions of dollars for virtual property. Is this something you're into? Because I could see you being into this. I could also see you thinking it's really dumb. Please. I wanted to ask.
6: Grant Bills. Don't, oh, gross. No. Good. Virtual virtual property. I call those people clowns. Will they make money off of it? Sorry, uh, bumps. Bumps. Will they make money <laughs> off of it? Yeah, because there's so many people that don't want to leave their house. They want to just be a slug in yes. some metaverse and probably word like, I mean, depends and put stock in depends right now. There's your financial advice. Put stock in depends, the adult (laughs) diapers, because people will be laying around their house just doing that, crapping themselves as they live in some virtual fantasy that is nowhere near real life.
2: I was hoping when Zuckerberg put out that metaverse announcement video that collectively as a society, we would all go, hell no. Well, I'm not doing that. This is where I draw the line, but I guess we're jumping in with both feet. Millions of dollars for virtual land. And people say that It's insane. Yeah, and, and people say that Packers ownership is dumb. That's three hundred bucks, and at least I got a it's, piece of paper. It's
6: not bills. I can't wrap my brain around it. Like you it's it's if the internet ever goes down, it's over. It's done. Like then you have to go face actual reality, not yeah. virtual reality. Welcome yeah. to the real world.
2: I want to live in the real world.
6: It's like the people, sorry to interrupt, the people willingly plugging themselves into the Matrix to be robot, batteries for robots.
2: I hate it. It's dumb. I wish as a society we rejected it, but I guess we're, as I said, jumping in with both feet. Final question I want to ask you about. You're from Dodgeville, correct? Yes, how did you know? Well, I, I think we've talked about it before. I was just, I was... I thought I knew, but I wanted to check. So that's in the beautiful area of the state between Madison and Lacrosse, kind of the
6: God's
4: country, kind
2: of the flesh that connects uh, what we, you know, the the cloth that connects us. Ebo is that beautiful drive between Madison and Lacrosse. It's it's slower than driving on 94, but I, it's worth it, right? So today I was talking to a coworker and I learned of something that I never heard of before, and I'm floored. And I guess I missed the boat. So the Mazamani Bottom State Natural Area, or AKA. Mazo Beach, Mazo Beach, whatever it's called.
6: Mazo, Mazo. You're Maiso telling me. You're Maiso telling
2: Beach. me. and thank you for that because I've 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 only yeah, driven through that. I once. got you. I got you're you. You're telling me you. that Wisconsin, on the beautiful Wisconsin River, was home to one of the most famous nude beaches in the country, and I never knew about it, and it got shut down like years ago. I Grant, only learned this Grant, today.
6: Grant, yes. indeed, you are correct. Here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing, Grant Bills. I want you to keep that idea of whatever you thought Mazo Beach was, <laughs> Christine, in your head. I want, you, I want you to think it's all the beautiful people you've ever seen in your entire life there just littered down the beach. I want you to keep that image. And, and then just hold on, do it. never ask anyone else about it ever again because I don't want to ruin the image in your brain, okay?
4: So
2: was it like, uh, you know, the shot of the crowd during the second half of the Packers-Vikings game with the fat guy, Harry Back? Like, it Was that the scene at Mazo Beach. Is, so I'm, I'm picturing all these beautiful people, but it was Packers ownership who takes their, their blaze orange off to be shirtless in the second half of the Packer game. That's funny. Damn. Uh,
6: okay, well, real quick. Those guys in the stands for the Packers, beautiful people. They, they were. were. Beautiful. The, the, the peak of human specimens, like physicality. Human was. performance. But Grant, <laughs> I will say this. I'm against the metaverse and like the virtual land, yeah. but if you were to go to Mazo Beach in its day... I would suggest bringing that virtual reality with you, putting it on your eyes and living in that world. instead of the one at Mazo beach. Okay.
2: So the, the other day, like to wrap this up, I, I got a, I was tweeting with one of my favorite listeners. I think his name is Jeremy and He's listened for, he tweeted like the first day I ever did my show. So I, I don't follow a lot of listeners, but I follow him. And the other day he was talking okay. about like legalizing sports betting. And I hate the state because they're so boring, right? We keep marijuana as illegal, despite a lot of places, you know, yeah. being more progressive and sports betting. And now you're telling me that they shut down a nude beach, too. I, look, I don't need it all. I don't need the drugs and the legalized betting and the nude beaches, but you got to let us have something. Like, now I'm upset at well, our government for another reason.
6: Grant, if you want to uh, bridge this all together, then, yeah, uh, first they need to legalize the weed and then legalize the nude beach because you need to be on drugs True. to look at what's going on out there. <laughs>
2: I don't know why. In so, yeah,
6: I'm all for freedom. Cool. If you want to let it hang, baby, let it hang. Yeah, I just don't want to look at it.
2: Well, and... To be fair, I don't know that I ever want to go to a nude beach, but, you know, in Wisconsin, like, I grew up in rural Wisconsin. I grew up, I guess it's not that rural, but, you know, 15,000 people. Menominee's not huge. Just knowing that something like this existed not far from my house is dope because I thought you had to go to the Mediterranean or to Spain or to L.A. Just knowing that that was there, it, it comforted me for, like, two minutes until then I read more and realized that it's not a thing anymore. But I'm, gl- I'm glad we got to chat about this, and I'm glad that you got me to temper whatever I thought that this was. That's that's no, funny. I want you
6: to keep the image. Keep the, Whatever the image is, keep it. And I, I don't will. ever ask about it again because I don't want to ruin it. And,
2: Evo, by the way, speaking of the Wisconsin River, I want to cruise on some body of water with you next summer on your beautiful vessel, uh, the She Blew Me. Is yeah, that I what better. it's called? Uh,
6: uh, yeah, I've kind of changed the name now because there's a lot of blowback in the household about the a boat She Blew Me. <laughs> it, it's B-L-U-E. Yeah. It's, a, it's punny. It's, uh, but anyways. Get your um, mind yeah, out of the gutter. Not only be on oh. the Wisconsin River, but you—you got to know what you're doing on the Wisconsin River, obviously. Yeah. And I was raised on it, and would love to do a campsite on a sandbar, oh, and then, God, please, and then the next day I go back. Or, I would or I, two days later. I
2: would love to do that with you, Evo, and I promise, when we do it, we will be fully clothed. Uh, I will also guarantee that. I appreciate your time, friend, and my radio father figure, <laughs> and I appreciate your advice and your wisdom as always. Thank you.
6: Grant was a, a pleasure. Much
2: better than the DMs earlier today. This was a treat. Much love. <laughs> Thank you, Evo. Much love. Have a good one. On Twitter, at Evo says, you can hear him 6 to 10 mornings in Madison on The Zone. Meso Beach. It's Again, it's not like I'm a huge perv nude beach guy. It's just knowing that that existed here in Wisconsin. Like, that's pretty cool. And then it was taken away. Like, today I went through this roller coaster of learning that there was a really famous nude beach in my backyard. And then building that up in my mind, only to then read that it has been taken away because of the government. Sucks. What a, what a ride for me today. We learned about virtual property yesterday, and now I know that there was once a nude beach along the Wisconsin River. We shall tell our children about it one day. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone radio network.
2: Show final segment. My name is Grant Bills. Tonight's been a blast and honestly, really productive show. I know we messed around with Evo for a couple of minutes, but we were very productive today. We talked about some coaching hires and which teams look good for potential coaches, maybe which teams you'd avoid. Talked about some potential playoff matchups. The Niners scare me the cowboys as we've talked about scare me the cowboys are scaring me less by the week and maybe that's what we should talk about for the final couple of minutes cuz every once in a while I'll come on the air and I'll pound the table and I'll say this is it this is the take this is truth this is how I feel and then you know maybe I'm proven to be correct or maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong but a lot of takes right you you throw it out there and then you watch some more games and you're like actually maybe this is the truth maybe actually I, I want to say this instead so we talked about earlier in the show songwriting, right? It doesn't all happen at once, right? You sit down, you play for a little bit, and then you tweak and you adjust. Takes are the same way. So a couple of weeks ago, I first said the Cowboys are scary. I don't want to play them. Their defensive front is nasty. Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory. Wow, that's 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 nasty. Trayvon Diggs doesn't really scare me. Their back end doesn't really scare me. Leighton Vander Esch is a liability in coverage, but that defensive front, that can ruin a game. That can wreck a game. And we've seen Packers games, especially in the playoffs, get wrecked by a nasty defensive front before San Fran or Tampa last year. Now, as we watch the Cowboys a little bit more, I still feel the same way about that defense. But Dak Prescott's stock is dropping a little bit. And I, I really like Dak. Like at the beginning of the year, we got in this big debate for no reason whatsoever about who's better, Matthew Stafford or Dak Prescott. I, I still take Dak. But I don't think the margin is maybe as great as it was. I think Dak Prescott is way better than Matthew Stafford. But at the beginning of the year, I was literally laughing it off. I started the year very bullish on Dak. And I still am. I would take Rodgers and Mahomes. Those are the two most stable quarterbacks. Rodgers at his worst is still better than most other quarterbacks at their best. Same with Mahomes. And then after those two, you talk about Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Kyler, Joe Burrow maybe, Derek Carr, Lamar, Ryan Tannehill, who was brilliant last weekend, albeit against Houston. Those guys are on the secondary tier because at their best, they're amazing, but they're also prone to inconsistencies, and it's hard to win multiple playoff games in a row with a quarterback that's not at least pretty darn consistent, and they're, they're different inconsistencies, right? Josh Allen's accuracy wanes and waxes. Justin Herbert's just young, so inconsistencies will come with that. Russell Wilson loves to take sacks, as does Joe Burrow, and that can some you know sometimes put the offense or the quarterback themselves in harm's way. Kyler gets hurt. Uh, Derek Carr is just inconsistent in a lot of different ways. Lamar, sometimes struggled with down the field passing this year. He got banged up a little bit. Tannehill, much of the same. Dak is inconsistent, too. A lot of times, his play just is relative to competition. Like, he had five touchdowns on Sunday. Won NFC Player of the Week against an Eagles team that was resting a lot of people. And he won NFC Player of the Week after they played the Washington football team two weeks ago where they scored 50 on a really bad team that was literally fighting on the sideline, right? And then he played really good against Mac Jones and the Patriots earlier this year when they weren't all that great, right? Before they got hot. So Dak Prescott and his play, a lot of times just mirrors the competition. If he's playing a bad team, he's great. If he's playing a good team, he doesn't play that well. But then again, Dak has always played well against Green Bay, so what do I know? Sometimes he started slow, like in 2016, in the divisional round, he started slow, but turned it on at the end. In 2019, started slow, but then turned it on towards the end. That's what Matthew Stafford does, too. Can make some really bad mistakes early on, but then play really well down the stretch. The problem is, if you're down 31-3 to 3 or whatever it was in 2016 in the NFC divisional round, right? there's not really coming back from that, no matter how well you play. So Dallas still scares me for all the reasons we talked about, but losing Michael Gallup is big, and Dak Prescott he's coming back from an injury so that probably plays a role too but he just doesn't scare me as much as he did earlier this season doesn't mean he couldn't play great for a couple of weeks that's not what that means but I'm not as scared of Dak Prescott as I once was everything else remains the same minus Michael Gallup and Dak Prescott we'll talk more about some playoff matchups tomorrow I'd like to talk about that more Mike Clements will be here as well can't wait tomorrow Wisco Sports Show same time same place talk to you then